Ladies and gentlemen, now hosting the Rizzo cast, put your hands together for Steven Risotto. What is going on, everybody, and welcome. This is episode number 90 of RizzoCast. I'm Steven Risotto, and today we are joined by a current right-handed pitcher for the San Francisco Giants organization, a former 10th rounder by the Miami Marlins in 2018 out of Purdue University. It is Tanner Andrews. He joins the show. Tanner, what's going on? Welcome. How are you doing? Hey, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to be part of the Giants organization. Uh, so, I mean, we're recording this a little bit less than a week away from Christmas here, holiday season. I mean, that means kind of shopping. So is, is your Christmas shopping done? We're, give us a status report on what's going on there. Uh, yeah, I, for the most part, uh, my wife takes care of most of that, but it's been kind of crazy. We've been in uh, in Jupiter, Florida, which is where the Miami Marlins are for spring training and their uh uh, facilities are here we're going to go home for christmas which is indiana for us um and then with the trade me going to arizona for a week and uh everything else has been kind of hectic but but we got it all done and we're leaving here for indiana uh shortly yeah man you've had a wild past few weeks to say the least i mean the end result of course is is going to the giants organization via trade kind of explain to me that process and, and kind of how everything went down uh it was it was a uh, a really crazy process actually a really crazy day for me I uh, started the day with the Marlins a normal day and it was the day of the the rule five uh, portion and I got picked up by the Braves and the Marlins called me and and let me know that and said the Braves will be calling and I never heard from the Braves never heard from the Braves never heard from the Braves and was wondering hey what's going on and come to find out the Braves had traded me to the Giants so Marlins to the Braves the Giants all in one day um really hectic but obviously a great thing for my career um moving forward and uh a great place to be is in the giants organization and those that are wondering about the lockout this really doesn't have anything to do with the lockout because it is considered a minor league transition uh transaction i should say did you even know that there's a minor league rule five draft because like i had no idea that that was even a thing i did it until this past year i had a teammate that was selected by the marlins in the in the minor league rule five. Um, so I kind of grilled him and asked him what to expect and what was going on. So, uh, uh, yeah, I kind of figured it out through that process. And I mean, getting traded is, is usually something like athletes try not to think about as they perform. Was there, you know, were you prepared for this kind of thing? I mean, nobody's prepared for change a lot of the times. Um, were you prepared maybe to leave the Marlins organization or had that not even slipped your mind? You know, you kind of, I wouldn't say you prepare for it, but you kind of always are ready for it. A uh, trade is a great thing for your career and it's, it's kind of the name of the game. Um, it can happen at any given moment. Like with me, it happened basically twice in one day. So um, it happens and you kind of just roll with it. Uh, you look at it as an opportunity uh, and you work hard and, you move on and you, you kind of just roll with it. Have you heard anything from, from the San Francisco giants organization since the trade, any, you know, words of wisdom, maybe have you talked to some of the executives over there? Give us the conversation with the giants. Uh, Kyle Haynes called me and he just kind of said, Hey, we're super excited to have you. Uh, he was actually teammates with 
with one of my college coaches and someone Giants fans might be familiar with, Steve Holm, uh, big league catcher for the Giants for a number of years. And uh, um, so he, we connected on that level, um, kind of gives some familiar, familiarity and um, just a, a, a base for the relationship there. Um, and then I ended up flying out to Scottsdale uh, to the Giants spring training facility this past week and spent a week there and got to know um, some players and some of the, the staff and uh, was welcomed with open arms. Uh, great facility, uh, great, great culture they have, it seems. And uh, it was a great week of getting my feet wet in the Giants organization. Was it different and will it be different, do you think, going, going from, you know, maybe Florida spring training to Arizona? Was that a, a bit of a different look for you? I mean, yeah, it's always going to be a little bit different, but uh, at the end of the day, you come in, you, you're ready to work, you're ready to get after it and uh, put your best foot forward. Uh, everybody in the organization is there at that point, so it's a great opportunity to uh, really set yourself apart and um, put your best foot forward, show the hard work you put in in the offseason and uh, kind of make a name for yourself. And I know you're you're currently in the recovery process from Tommy John surgery, and it's it's become exactly. it's become an epidemic. And you know, many pitchers have resorted to undergoing the surgery. Um, you know, it's the procedures kind of viewed now as part of the game. Um, is what is the recovery process like? Where are you at in your recovery right now, and how long until we see you out there on the field? I uh, had surgery July seventh, um, so I'm. I think I'm about week 23 or week 24. Um, I start throwing this this coming week. Um, so I'm excited about that. Uh, the recovery process is is challenging um, more mentally than physically at some points. Uh, it's the longest a lot of us ever go without throwing a baseball. Um, and so you're you're in the you're in the training room, you're in the rehab room um, more than you're on the field, uh, considerably more. And uh, a lot of exercises a lot of working the small muscles the the forearms the scaps the, the shoulder the rotator cuff um you really put a lot into strengthening your body and strengthening your arm um so when you come back you're you're stronger and you're more prepared than you were before um so it's tedious monotonous work but um you just kind of have to keep your your blinders on keep working forward keep taking it one day one step at a time and uh know that if you put it in work now that it'll pay off later I'm always interested in this. Was there a certain moment when you felt something wasn't right? Was there like a moment in a game or was it just kind of something that built up over time? Uh, mine was kind of weird. A lot of guys, they'll have a one pitch and they feel it. Um, mine was, I finished the game normal. Actually, um, if we tied it up in the ninth um, and we went to extra innings, I was going to go back in for extra innings. Uh, I felt great. I was throwing really well. And, uh, the next day I woke up and my elbow was kind of locked. I couldn't straighten it and I couldn't bend it very far. Um, so I thought, oh, this is weird. Um, went to the trainer. He uh, massaged it a little bit. We did a little um, like TENS unit recovery. I went through that day. It didn't feel great, but I thought it's just normal soreness. Um, a little different than normal, but just a couple days of rest and we'll get back after it. Uh, the next day it was locked up again. So I went in the training room and from there we went to the doctor. Um, originally it was a post, they called it a posterior bundle, which isn't the UCL. It's connected to UCL, but isn't the actual UCL. 
Uh, so I, re I rehabbed that for about five or six weeks. And my first time back on the mound after that in the bullpen, um, about the eighth or ninth pitch, I felt it go. So went back to the doctor and decided that Tommy John or elbow reconstruction was the best, was the best path from there. Let's get away from that. Uh, let's talk some pitching here. I mean, 6'3", 220 pounds. Give me kind of a scouting report on, on Tanner Andrews without giving away too much because I know pitchers are kind of superstitious about that. Uh, <laughs> and, and so give us a scouting report and, and what Giants fans could kind of expect from you uh, moving forward here. Um, I, um, I like to call myself an athlete on the mound. Uh, pitchers kind of don't get that rep sometimes, but for me, that's something I take pride in is being able to field my position, being able to be athletic uh, on the mound. I'm going to attack the zone. Uh, I know that in baseball, it's really nine versus one. Uh, you have yourself and your teammates versus the one hitter. And uh, the odds are in your favor as long as you stay in positive counts and you attack the zone. Uh, I think where pitchers get hurt a lot of times is falling behind and putting the, the hitter in, in the advantage. So I try to, I try to do op the opposite and be on the attack at all times. Fill up the zone with all my pitches. Um, I am a, a fastball guy with a, I have a split finger, uh, which is probably my best off-speed pitch and a slider as well. Um, but I really just fill up the zone and uh, I like, I like punch outs. I like to go for punch outs when, when I can, but I also don't want to give up too many uh, pitches. So I don't like going three, two, two, two. If I get you 0-2, I'm going to go for it, but I don't want to waste too many pitches either. Uh, yeah, that's that's really interesting. And so, so do you look at guys like Greg Maddox, who you know, won eighteen Gold Gloves or something, seventeen, eighteen Gold Gloves? And do you look at like guys like Marcus Stroman, who field their position really well? And because that's really overlooked, and it's really interesting that you said that you take pride in fielding your position. Do you consider yourself a guy who could be in future contention of a of a Gold Glove at the big league level? I know that's just a really dumb question, but yeah, yeah absolutely. we put in the work every single day uh, and uh, like I said I take pride in that so uh, giving an extra glove or making a play that to get an out to get out of an inning to get out of a jam um, really is huge for a pitcher uh, a lot of times it's your your defenders or your outfielders or your your shortstop second baseman making a play to save you but when you can make a play yourself um, and take care of it yourself uh, it's just all the more advantage. So you're one of like the the two guys that enjoys PFPs. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I wouldn't say the the PFPs get monotonous. They it's hot or it's after a long day. Mm. Uh, so a lot of guys just kind of go through the motions. But I think that there's an opportunity there to make yourself better. And um, you know, when a, when a pitcher makes a mistake in a game. Uh, feeling the ball, something that should be automatic. Uh, they kick themselves and say, you know, I wish I would have taken it more seriously and I don't want to be put in that position. I want to take it serious the first time. And I want to, I want to be able to help myself out on the gate on the field. Yeah, no, absolutely. So is there a certain pitcher that you followed as a kid or kind of compare yourself to now in terms of stuff, mechanics, makeup, is there any one guy that you followed that kind of you could compare your game to or have in the past? Uh, you know, I wouldn't say there's there's one guy. Um, I grew up a John Smoltz fan. I love John Smoltz. Um, but I wouldn't say I tried to mimic him I, or I compare myself to him. I, I just try to be the best me I can be. Um, 
if I can master being the best Tanner Andrews I can be, then I feel like I'm in a really good spot. Yeah, growing up in, in Indiana, there's definitely a few ways you could go in terms of rooting for a team. I mean, you could go north, you could find the Tigers, you could go west, White Sox or Cubs, and then you could go east with the, the Reds or Indians. So which one was it for you? Or were, you know, you mentioned you were a small guy. Were you a Braves fan? So where was your allegiance as a, as a young baseball fan? Yeah, I was actually grew up a Braves fan. So my dad's from Kissimmee, Florida, and that's where the Braves spring training was for a long time. So um, growing up with my dad and my brother, we all we all rooted for the Braves and uh, watched them on TBS. And it was the Chipper Joneses, the the John Smoltz. We, um, so, yeah, I grew up a Braves fan. But more importantly, I think I just grew up a baseball fan. Uh, There's a lot of guys I watched that. I really enjoyed watch pitching. You mentioned Greg Maddox, who was unbelievable. Justin Verlander has been incredible. Uh, Kershaw is left-handed and has the, the big 12-6, but I think part of baseball and part of pitching that makes it so, so beautiful is that there's so many ways to do it to be great. There's not just one cookie-cutter way. Um, so you got guys that throw really hard. You got guys that mix speeds and use a changeup and use off-speed. Uh, there's all different kinds of ways to do it. And I, I think I, I love that aspect of baseball is um, there's a lot of different sizes, shapes, forms um, of athletes and a lot of sizes, shapes, forms of what they're doing with the baseball. So I, I, I just really love that part of the game. Yeah, then the Braves had a lot of variety. They had the power pitcher in Smoltz. They had the kind of control guy in, in – uh and Maddox and the finesse guy in Glavin. So I should ask you this as a, as a Braves fan, former Braves fan here, is Andrew Jones a Hall of Famer? Because I know that's oh, a hot topic right now. Oh, absolutely. For a guy to uh, – might be the best defensive center fielder of all time uh, early in his career, some of the catches he made. And then later in his career, really hitting for power and uh, uh, kind of transforming with the game. So I think there's no doubt that he's a, he's a Hall of Famer. Yeah, no. Yeah, I, I think so, too. I think he's, you know, I, I second guessed it a few times, but, you know, I think Andrew Jones is definitely a hall and he gets knocked because of the things that he did later in his career and the lack of production post age 30. But I think for the most part, he's one of the best uh, the game has seen in center field. Um, was it an easy decision for you to choose Purdue out of high school? What kind of appealed most about the school? Uh, so ironically enough, I was going to play football in college and um, really focused my time on football and um, even basketball a little bit, but mostly football and uh, fell in love with Purdue as a campus uh, early. And it was probably the summer between my freshman and sophomore years when I took my first visit, uh, fell in love with the campus, really felt at home there. And uh, as my high school career developed and I took more and more college visits, there was a lot of colleges that I uh, had great opportunities, but I never felt the same feeling I did when I when I first walked on the Purdue campus. So I ended up going there, working out to play baseball. Um, but I knew that Purdue was was home to me um, from really my first visit there. Yeah. So why why was football and basketball, you know, kind of set aside for baseball? How did how did things kind of change over time? Um, so really. Um, it came down to football or, or baseball at the very end. Um, and I, I had a concussion. I had a, some, some scares from that uh, my junior year and uh, some breaks that went against me, some things I, I just kind of second guessed. And 
I, I uh, was unsure. I ended up going to a football workout and running into Nick Whitgren, who was putting on a clinic. Who's a big league pitcher, was with the Marlins, uh, with the Indians, and now he's a free agent. But uh, he was went to Parkland Junior College and went to Purdue for a year. And I ran into him, and he kind of asked what I was doing. I told him, you know, I'm leaning towards playing football. And he kind of told me I was crazy. And this is the first time I met him. So went from there, built a relationship with him, and uh, ended up going to Purdue, working out for the baseball team, and uh, the rest is history. Um, but it was kind of from there. Growing up, my, my dad played baseball in college. My brother, older brother played baseball in college. So we're kind of a baseball family. So it was easy to kind of fall back in love with baseball and, and put all my, my time, energy, and effort into that because uh, my brother and dad have invested so much in that as well. Yeah, and, and you were used in a lot of different ways at Purdue uh, initially. And then, you know, your senior year, you threw close to 100 innings, 98 innings uh, during your senior season, and you had a 2.94 ERA. What clicked during that final season in Purdue? Was it finally getting kind of a set role as that Friday night guy, or was there kind of an adjustment that you made? Uh, you know, it wasn't any one thing. I remember most of my sophomore and all of my junior year as well but I think my senior year just uh, really building that relationship with pitching coach Steve Holm and my catcher Nick D'Alessandro who's in the um, Diamondbacks organization um, and just trusting each other and going out there and knowing that you know it's our best stuff against against them and if and if we go out there and we attack the zone and we uh, uh, take care of our end then the odds are in our favor and that year we had we had a pretty magical run with Purdue and uh the defense behind me was was incredible. My teammates, uh, we were we were so close on and off the field, and I think that was uh, a lot of what had to do with that team and our individual numbers because we played so well as a team. So one of my favorite things to do on this show, and a lot of the uh, the professional players have great answers, and the the former players have great answers. I always ask for a draft story because you know drafts kind of have evolved over time. Some of them. You know, some guys that I've talked to have gotten picked when there's television coverage, you know, in the earlier rounds. Some guys in the later rounds don't have that. And some guys from way back when didn't even know they were drafted until like the next day. So we got to hear a Tanner Andrews draft story. What do you have one? Do you have a good one? I, I mean, I don't have a great one. Probably pretty, pretty normal. Um, just kind of. Well, so the day before we were in. North Carolina at our regional and uh, we got knocked out of eliminated from the regional and we're flying home and um, we had our exit interviews with our coach so he came up to me the night before and said hey I know tomorrow's gonna be a big day for you uh, how about we do our interview first thing in the morning uh, say 6 37 um, and then you can drive home which is about an hour and a half from Purdue's campus to be with your family for for that day and the draft started at noon so we thought it'd be fine, but uh, about midway through our my interview with my coach, um, my phone started ringing, and it was it was teams and scouts that I had talked to throughout the year. So we ended up having to cut that short. Drove home, and I had talked to I don't know, it seemed like a hundred teams, but um, really didn't expect, didn't know where I was going to end up. I thought maybe with the uh, uh, the Rockies or Yankees, I felt like um, I built a good relationship with their scouts and their cross checkers and um, talked to numerous teams throughout the day, ended up not, not working out, not pulling the trigger. Um, and then finally I got drafted by the Marlins who I hadn't even talked. I, I hadn't even talked to. I think I filled out a, uh, a questionnaire for them, but 
was one of the few teams that I was thought for sure, oh, I don't think I'm on their radar. Um, but ended up working out, uh, spent the last handful of years with, with the Marlins organization and I've learned a lot and gotten a lot better as a player and as a person. So uh, I'm thankful for them for giving me that opportunity, but a uh, pretty normal draft story for me. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. Hey, I mean, you were drafted. So, <laughs> right. yeah. So um, what was the adjustment like from, you know, the NCAA to minor league baseball? Cause I know a lot of people, you know, a lot of, players while taking that next step there's a bit of a struggle that comes with it um so what was that adjustment period like for you um it was it was really good it was great i mean you don't have to worry about going to class during the day and then playing at night so you really focus on uh uh on the baseball aspect of it the travel uh was hard and i was my first assignment was in batavia new york which uh wasn't the best spot to be um (laughs) But it was definitely a, a good experience and uh, learned how to kind of adjust to the, the minor league, the professional life. Um, it was nice throwing to wood bats. <laughs> it, was, uh, it was nice playing with uh, some, some guys that I played against throughout the years but never really got to play with and uh, meet a bunch of new people, a bunch of new coaches my first manager was Mike Jacobs and I, I remember him as a just as a fan and big first baseman power hitting first baseman and it was kind of surreal walking into the clubhouse and Mike Jacobs being my ran- manager I thought that was pretty cool um so it was cool it was an adjustment period for sure uh just being on your own living in a hotel and in, a, in an unfamiliar part of the country but um it was a lot of fun uh the process has been a lot of fun Man, Mike Jacobs, that's an, he, that, that guy dropped bombs. Mike Jacobs was way ahead of his time. He was one of those big left-handed all or nothing guys. He was, he did it before it was cool. So shout right. out Mike Jacobs. No, um, and he's and as good as he was a hitter, he's a better manager. Yeah. He loved his players and really got the best out of his players. So it was, it was I played with for him in 2018 and 2019. And uh, he was definitely one of, one of my favorite managers. So do you see a big league future for, for Mike Jacobs in, in, a, in a coaching position? Oh, I definitely see it at some point in his career uh, with some organization. I don't know uh, where it will be, but I think Mike Jacobs would definitely excel in that role. Interesting. I didn't even know he's coaching, so that's interesting to hear. Um, so it's an age-old debate, Tanner. Uh, I know that there's the, the debate always about minor league players and um, – whether they should be paid more and you know the living situation improved and there's kind of two schools of thought here some kind of some of the oppositions about that idea would say you know it would take away from the motivation and the grind of being at the minor league level and some of the supporters would say you know it's inhumane and you know these guys should be getting paid more um you know i i see both sides of it so what is kind of your your thoughts on the whole situation with the minor league players? Because in some in some ways, it's a really gruesome scenario with the living situations. Yeah, it is tough. And what, what we're kind of always been told is don't like it, play better. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, it's a touchy subject. And I think it's we're making a lot of uh, steps in the right, right direction, obviously, with the lockout. I think uh, some of that is part of it. But, um, I mean, there's truths on both, both ends of it. Uh, but I definitely think that 
at some point they got to make it a, a livable wage and, and help the players out a little bit. Yeah. I, I heard somewhere where fans were, were going up to minor league ballparks and, you know, dropping or giving players Chipotle gift, Chipotle gift cards. So, and it, that kind of stuff goes a long ways on the, at the minor league level. So I thought that was pretty cool. Um, and I also yeah. read that you, you, uh, you majored in, organizational leadership so what exactly is that because it sounds like something that could benefit you from a in a standpoint of a professional baseball locker room so explain to me what um exactly is organizational leadership because that's interesting kind of hit it right on the head and that's one of the reasons i i kind of veered towards that path um organizational leadership is it can be a lot of things but within an organization or a team it's uh, how to deal with change, how to deal with different types of personalities, different peoples. Uh, uh, in baseball, you deal with a lot of different people from different countries, um, and that's been a really neat aspect of it. So how to communicate when there's a language barrier, how to communicate, uh, how to listen, and just how to lead people through difficult times and how to lead people through good times. So um, it's more business um, geared in college, obviously, but you can spin it off and and use it in a team setting as well, because business really is a team, but in athletics, it's, it's more, it's more based off team. Do you know any other languages? Yeah, I do not. I do not speak. I mean, broken, broken Spanish from just my years in the, with the Marlins and uh, our, our Latin players, which I've really enjoyed getting to know a lot of them. They're, they're great. And I, I respect them a lot coming uh, to a different country when they're 15, 16, 17 years old and uh, not speaking the language and, uh, just jumping in and chasing their dreams. I think it's pretty awesome. Yeah, no, for sure. And it's funny. I always talk to people and they always say, you know, we know the, the certain baseball terms in Spanish because they know the certain baseball terms in English. So I thought that that was a really neat aspect of it too. Uh, all right. Before we sign off here, um, I have a few uh, rapid fire questions. You don't have to answer them rapid fire. I'm trying to do a knockoff intentional talk thing here or whatever i don't know what's what i'm going for but whatever first things first if you weren't playing baseball what would tanner andrews be doing Ooh, that's a tough one uh that's a really tough one uh growing up obviously the goal was athletics i mentioned football i mentioned basketball i mentioned baseball but i also uh i think I could see myself in a, in a military role as well uh if athletics didn't work out if obviously the respect I have for our troops and the ones that protect our country is is crazy and I think that's uh, so honorable and so noble for for them and I think that's a career path I could have seen myself going going down um now in the spot I'm in after my career I want to get into coaching uh, just because um, especially at the college level, it's a big change. In a young man's life as an 18 year old stuff, growth that happens during those times. And I know my coaches were a huge part in what made me, me, uh, what makes me, me today. And, uh, kind of leaned on as, as a second father throughout college and kind of took me under, um, it's just a huge, huge spot in a young man's life. And, uh, I think that you can have a great impact in that role. So that's something I want to, I want to get into after my playing career. So hopefully a long time from now. 
There you go. We love to see some more use on that organizational leadership degree. So there you go. Uh, all right. Next one here. Favorite TV show of all time, or maybe current favorite TV show. Ooh, that's tough too. I mean, of course I love the prison breaks. The, um, the blacklist is a good one. Uh, manifest is a new one. That's good. But I'd say, uh, the best, or most funny that I keep going back to is it's always sunny in Philadelphia. I just, their, their sense of humor cracks me up. It's crude at some points. It's um, not everybody's cup of tea, but um, I find it, I find it funny. The crude humor is, is always funny. And it's interesting how it works in today's climate, but that's a, that's a different discussion. Uh, favorite, favorite minor league city. Ooh, minor league city. Well, I mean, uh, growing up in, in Northern Indiana, it was cool to play in South Bend and in the Fort Wayne's because those are the those are the ballparks I went to as a kid. Um, so those are really cool. But Pensacola this past year in Double A was was incredible. The way they support their fan their 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 ball club, the right being right on the beach. Uh, it, it was a really cool city, a really cool atmosphere. And I'd say I'd have to go with Pensacola. All right, favorite baseball movie, and this one could could you know result in some people getting triggered but we'll see favorite baseball movie <laughs> i'm gonna go with the sandlot uh classic growing up one of my favorites so i mean there's a great there's a ton of great baseball movies my uh, i spent a summer in clinton iowa and they'd be telling me uh field of dreams is is the only way to go but which is a great movie and it was cool to see that house and that that um bring that back to life this last year but i'd say the sandlot is is my go-to yeah, every, every time I think of the Sandlot, Babe Ruth, that's <laughs> all that comes to my head every single time. All right, final one here before we sign off. Favorite Christmas tradition. Again, the holiday season's coming up. What is, uh, what's going on with uh, the family? Well, I mean, just the time together. Um, and every, probably every year for the past uh, four or five years, I've uh, shaved my facial hair into a mustache, which... Uh, it's kind of my my own Christmas tradition, just to I don't know, light lighten the mood. Uh, a lot of travel, just it's just kind of my thing. And uh, I'm slacking a little bit this year with so much change, so I might have to go a different route. But just just the family time, just being together with with the family, being home with uh, close to my best friends and family is it's really the best the best part of it for me. Tanner, man, this was super fun. I appreciate you coming on and uh, taking a few minutes to talk. And uh, best of luck to you in the uh, in the San Francisco Giants organization. And congrats on the trade. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Uh, like I said, I'm excited to be here. And uh, before we sign off, I just want to say uh, it's not just about me. It's about everybody that that has invested time into me and uh, and effort and energy into making me who I am and getting me to this point, especially my, my parents, my dad and my brother and my mom for driving us all around the country. So uh, it's, it's not just about me. It's about everybody that's invested time into me to get me to this point. And many of those names were name dropped, Steve Holm, Mike Jacobs. So absolutely. Yeah. So those guys uh, love to hear those names again. Uh, So you guys can follow Tanner on Twitter at T 13 Andrews. Uh, he's already, I, this was interesting. The day the trade happened, you know, the bio was changed, like snap, like it was changed super quick to San Francisco giants. So go ahead, follow Tanner on Twitter and you guys could follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at Rizzo cast. 
and find us on Spotify, Apple Podcast, YouTube, etc. wherever you find your podcasts. All right. Thank you guys for listening. Episode 100. We're creeping down on it. It's coming up super quick. Uh, thank you guys for listening and enjoy your holiday season.